0: Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network.
1: Welcome to a bonus PR Moment Podcast. Um, I'm chatting to Andrew Block about PR pitches and PR mergers and acquisition trends in the UK PR and public relations scene at the moment. Um, For those of you that don't know, um, Andrew is, was a co-founder at Frank PR, and is now PR lead at the Pitch Intermediary AAR, Um, and he also is a partner in PCB and advises them on its acquisition strategy in the agency market. Before we start, a few plugs from me. The shortlist for the PMO Awards is now out, so do get your tickets for the awards night, The London leg is on the 28th of April, um, so it's coming up. um, And all the details are on the homepage of the Permanent Awards microsite. Also, thanks to our PMM podcast sponsors, the PRCA. Andrew, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, then. So, come on, I've been looking forward to this.
0: Uh, Give us us a few headlines on uh, the uh, the biggest and most significant pitches you've seen over the last uh, month or so.
2: It's been a busy, busy period, actually, obviously, kind of start of the year is always a good time for new business. So, you know, a couple that I've been involved in personally through AAR was the Nintendo pitch where MSL hooked up with their neighbours, Taylor Herring, to create a combined entity and took away that piece of business. Um, Which pitch was that? that was nintendo nintendo yeah um so that, yeah that was a big pitch that sort of concluded at the start of, of the year um holland and barrett was another one that i ran um then nin- who was the the previous incumbent at nintendo just tell us that who that was Nint- that was pretty great they yeah. had the business for seven or so years so, so they, had, years. they had a good run didn't they had a great run yeah. did some great work yeah. um but I think Nintendo wanted wanted a change, and but you, yeah. you
0: quite often see that with consumer brands like that, don't you? Seven years is is about as long as you hear of an agency having it having that sort of retained client, isn't it? It's,
2: yeah, I mean it is. I mean I'm actually working on a pitch at the moment where the incumbent's been in place for eighteen years. So wow. um, <laughs> generally speaking, I would say you know three four years is a is a good innings right. with a client, I and mean, then often for. You know, reasons of just keeping things fresh and new energy and new approaches, they they're go to market and look for someone else. And the Holland and Barrett pitch was one sort of yours, was it? I hadn't realised that. Yes, yeah, so Holland and Barrett, again, they'd been with their agency um, for a long time. Like, I can't remember the exact length of time, but also serious innings. Um, again, pretty hard fought pitch, which the Academy came out victorious. How, um, how many people were involved in that pitch? In terms of different agencies, yeah. um, three agencies are the, are the final stage. Um, I think, you know, we, we always talk about the right number of agencies. And in my mind, sort of three to four is the right number. Anything more than that is probably a bit unfair on the agency and um, indicative of an indecisive client. You know, if I see three to four good agencies, that is enough to make a decision for Any others? Yeah. Um, the virgin o2 pitch which concluded a couple of weeks ago MISIF came out on top of that that was a, a big quite a significant one you know off the back of virgin and o2 merging so that would be exciting to see what they came up with um innocent uh, which ahead. bit of the which bit of the work is that because the o2
0: is one of those that has there's quite a few different agencies work on different parts of the business isn't there
2: it's a good question and i think i'm right in saying it's the corporate side of it as opposed to the consumer side of it but I might might be wrong um Innocent is the other one that's just pitched out um their corporate affairs and MHP Mischief came out victorious on that obviously a brilliant brand to be working so so a few quite good wins for MHP Mischief there yeah, they seem to be on a really good good run at the moment obviously you know on the M&A side there's been everything that's been going on with with Next15 and yeah, so
0: um, before we get, we, I don't know we got some other pitches, but yeah, go on. So there's a seamless link there. Do you just want to talk us through your pitch on that? I mean, what were the, the details were, were quite interesting, wasn't it? Next 15 bought Engine for um, 77.5 million, um, which got them Engine, the, the, the creative ad agency part of the business, but also MHP um, and, and indeed Mischief as part of MHP, which I seem to be, that looks like quite good value to me. I, I, yeah, I'm not an expert on these things, but I, that seems like you're getting quite a bit for your £77 million there.
2: I think so. I mean, often with these deals, you don't really know all the details and you read the headlines and they can be quite misleading in terms of understanding the valuation. Generally, these sort of deals have different elements to them and there's an upfront and then there's often equity involved and then there's earnout periods. So I don't uh, to be totally upfront with you, I, I haven't sort of investigated the ins and outs of the deal. Well, I, they're my not reaction going to is tell
0: us, they're not going to tell us all that anyway, are they? So we're- sometimes they do.
2: I mean, you know, often I think with private equity, they're a bit more transparent in terms of how they structure the deals. When they're trade deals, you often have to sort of read behind the headlines, and, and often, you know, the biggest part of the value of a deal isn't the sort of initial headline figure, it's what happens over the next three to four years. So Yes, you often don't get to really understand the total valuation. But when I read that, and I, to be fair, I sort of read it when it happened a month or two ago, and I thought, yeah, that seems like a really good good deal. There were certainly higher numbers being touted around over the sort of previous year. But who knows? Yeah, we both might be off in terms of... Well,
0: thinking- we're- Hopefully, we're getting Alex Big on the on the podcast uh, from OHP in a in a in a couple of weeks' time. So he can he can, he will no doubt share not very much information about the financials at all. <laughs> but um, we'll we'll see how that one goes. No, um, I mean,
2: look, the market at the moment is as busy as it's ever been. And you, I think you talk about
0: the merger and acquisition market. Yeah,
2: like, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, to be fair, my experience being in it only really goes back a couple of years in terms of actually working on deals. But it's it's extremely buoyant. And I think, you know, people, well, agencies have shown resilience th- through COVID. You know, there have been some sort of fire sale type deals where people have, you know, they've needed to be acquired to get a cash injection. And I won't go into details of who those are and why those have happened. But actually there's what I think the the, Big holding groups, the management consultancies, the bigger independent groups, they've now got enough to show them that an agency has fought through the COVID period. They can understand any sort of blips in their EBIT and their revenue, and they can see they can buy stuff with confidence. Um, they can see where things have been just sort of blips or trends. And But, but and who's, uh,
0: who's, who's buying and who's selling? Go on, give, not uh, on, on, that, on the MA side.
2: Well, I think, um, bless you, um, (laughs) lots of people are buying. So, you know, you've got the big holding groups, which are still building their armory of companies. And, you know, what they want to do is build end-to-end capabilities. So not just... So when you said about the holding groups, they're buying PR firms specifically? They're buying everything. So, you know, definitely the hot space at the moment unsurprisingly is tech um so anything with data at its core is extremely attractive um in terms of social and digital you know they're really looking at the next stage of social and digital so not just sort of being able to do performance marketing or social media but looking at agencies with specific capabilities in web3 um in artificial intelligence, voice recognition, those sort of areas. Content is still hot, but again, you know, what they're looking for is content linked to distribution so that they can produce content and get it out at scale. So it's like the next stage of social and digital. PR, you know, there'll always be a market for PR, but you know, if you just look at it pragmatically, a lot of the big groups, a lot of the big management because they've got their PR agencies within their group so unless it, it needs to offer them a specialism so that might be travel it might be consumer it might be public affairs or it needs to open up new geographies um or it needs to help them with their diversity and inclusion or but, but coming
0: the- coming down a layer then because
2: the uh, i
0: get that that the so that there's if you're a p if you're a agency looking to sell you need to have a niche basically don't you and that's probably if you're a PR agency within there looking to looking to sell then the holding groups might want to buy you but it's probably unlikely isn't it because they've already got PR firms who are who, who, yeah unless who, who offers it offers doing. that
2: specialism but there's now you know there's an emergence of independent smaller groups that sort of it's exactly year. that that's where I was going to go so just talk us through about that because they're the ones who are who are
0: driving a lot of that merger and acquisition isn't it
2: it's a part of it. So you've got people like Stagwell Group, or you've got smaller holding groups like Anero, which you know were the people that bought my agency, who are you know now bought on an MA and A person specifically to find them deals. So last year, you know Hotwire acquired McDonald Butler, which was a really nice deal for them that helped them expand into different areas, different regions. Um, you've got people like Selby Anderson who bought Unity, I think towards the back end of last year. Um, it might have been 20, yeah, a bit before that, I think, but yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah uh, I lose track of time. been stuck in my home office for two years. No idea what's going on time-wise. Um, but then you've also got um, the private equity. So that's what, you know, who have been prolific in making acquisitions because they're cash rich. Right. And that's where, um, that's where the chunk of the,
0: of the deals are, is it? That's where... There's we- a lot of deal- I mean, there's
2: deals across... The board. I mean, some of the valuations that companies are achieving are, you know, eye watering. So, certainly, you know, that's when you say companies, do you mean agency type agencies? agencies? Yeah. So, you know, getting really fantastic um, valuations. But, you know, ultimately the principles that have always been there are still there. You need to be showing strong, consistent profitability. You need a stable client base. You need to be able to show the opportunity for growth because if you're Private equity, you know, essentially what they're looking to do is buy companies that they can build, help them grow, and then at some stage have another exit, you know, sometimes yeah. six, seven years old. But- but so when you say private
0: equity is hot, for, is it the same types of trends as you were saying uh, previously about which agency, what type of e- businesses private equity want? to buy is it is it people with data at their core is it for the next level of of web web 3.0 or Um, it
2: depends i mean essentially what private intent i mean it depends what level you're going in at the sort of stuff that i've been working on they need scale so there needs to be they're they're unlikely to buy you know sub one million pound ebit companies it's just not worth the hassle um but there's a lot of private equity that are looking to build, you know, in effect their own marketing services group. So, you know, that's where there is a space for, yeah. for example, a quite a big consumer PR agency. That, that there would be a space for that, whereas a lot of the holding groups already have that capability within them.
0: Yeah, and is there is there a rule of thumb? I mean, the, for people that listening to this sort of chat for the first time it's it's normally valued on on a sort of ratio of profit isn't it is, is how these things tend to go and at, w- at one point PR firms have got up to about seven times profit then it fell down a bit to sort of five times profit and it obviously always depends on whether you're in consumer or healthcare or wh- wh- where are we at the moment in, in that in that in that fun and games
2: um it's a, it's a good question and it changes <laughs> from you know I think now it's you, you're sort of looking at high single figures, okay. sort of eight, nine times. E-bit. So it's gone, it's gone
0: up consistently over the last five years, hasn't it? But it depends. You know,
2: I think if you're in a pretty traditional sector and don't necessarily have a specialism, it's probably going to be closer to five or six yeah. times the problem- and then... You'll probably struggle to sell, won't you, if you're in that situation? You're- there's buyers for everything. So, yeah, is that what you think, really? Yeah, it's, it's no different from a house. You know, If you price it correctly, there's someone that will buy it. If you overvalue yourself, you're going to find it difficult. But there's been deals done, you know, Accenture Interactive did a deal last year at 22 times multiple. Um, you know, there are deals that, you know, that they're, they're eye-watering because, you know, if you're in a certain sector and you've got scale – It's all about supply and demand. So if you're one of the last data strategy companies with significant scale, geography, capabilities, you know, you can charge a premium because there aren't many of you out there if you're offering a commodity service as an agency and there's lots of you out there. But but when you say there's a buyer for everyone, I mean,
0: is there? I mean, the
2: private equity ain't
0: going to be buying a, a, you know, a a small... Okay, I get your point. It's got to be making more more than a million profit, I guess. But then... If, you're, if people listen to the show and they're, I don't know, they're a 10, 15 year old, who knows what, independent PR firm doing 3 million, 2 million, something like that, making a 20%, 25% margin. Is there, is there hope for them? If they're, Absolutely. If they're, okay, so, so who's going to buy them then?
2: I would think it's either, you know, an independent group that is starting to build its own network. Um, potentially private equity, but, you know, there's different structures and upsides and downsides of doing those types of deals. Depending on what, what their client base is or where their geography is, you know, they could be part of a bigger group. As I said, there's, you know, you can always sell. It's just, you know, my, my job, I work on both the buy and the sell side. So, you know, on the buy side, it's, it's, it's often very, very specific, targeted briefs that are normally related to a service function or a geography um but on the buy side you, you know you have to be more creative and you have to look at who's who's out there who's doing interesting stuff at the moment and you know there's lots of new vehicles that are emerging that you won't have even heard of that are sort of slowly and steadily building there's also lots of kind of Independent, quite successful consumer PR agencies. You know, people like W, like PHA, um, splendid. That are starting to make smaller scale acquisitions and build their own groups, which is interesting to watch manifest. Also, I think have a model that is sort of looking to build through acquisition. So it's there's always a buyer for anything, um, and it's you know that's my job is to try and figure out what I've learned in the short space of time that I've been doing it, is you don't take on things you don't think you can sell. So I've turned down a lot more than I've taken on because I never want to be that person that has failed. Um, and so far I've achieved a 100% success rate. But that is probably more down to the fact that I've been very selective in terms of, you know, what I'm selling and who I'm buying for and that kind of stuff. And of course the two sort of merge into one. So the more you understand what buyers are looking for, the easier it is to sell things for people. Brilliant, Andrew. I'm uh, I'm going to
0: leave it there, but I think there's going to be something we're going to we're going to do another one of these shows in a couple of week uh, weeks. I think, aren't we? We can we can talk some more around this topic because it's it's fascinating. Um, but Andrew Block, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network.
1: If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.